You ready to get started today? Let's go. In the town of London, England, 604 years after Christ's resurrection, there was a church established in London and was called St. Paul's. 700 years later, they decided to build a cathedral there on that very site that the church was established, and it was called St. Paul's Cathedral. 1314, it was completed and dedicated to the glory of God. It stood for 350 years and was one of the centerpieces of the town of London. But in 1666, the Great Fire of London swept through that town, destroying almost the whole city of London including St. Paul's Cathedral. Well, immediately there were plans to rebuild the cathedral, and in just 31 years, the construction was completed. And so then the second St. Paul's Cathedral was established. Today, there are 44 sculptures in St. Paul's Cathedral of various people who, through their life's work, edified not only humanity, but specifically the kingdom of God. People who endeavored to accomplish great things and who many of whom obviously God used for great things. But the very first sculpture ever erected there in St. Paul's Cathedral was of a man named John Howard. His image was erected there, constructed there because of his great work that was a life-changing work. But you may not be familiar with John Howard and know who he was or what he did. What was this great passion that he had that was all-encompassing and what he did to change the world? Many times in John Howard's journal, he wrote that he did not want his name to be famous or exalted, but that his cause would never be forgotten. But what was this cause? What did he do with his life that caused the church to want to memorialize his work? It can be summed up in just two words, prison reform. He spent much of his life working for prisoners who were being treated so adversely, so, so degradingly. And he wanted to elevate how prisoners were treated at least with dignity. But why was that his great work? What was it that caused that work of prison reform to so rap, just enrapture him with passion to work toward that end? Well, not because he had committed any crimes, but John Howard became a prisoner. For a short period of time, he was a prisoner both on a ship and also in the nation of France. You see, England and France were at war during that time. And John Howard boarded an English vessel and was on his way to Portugal when French mercenaries overtook that ship and he became a prisoner. He wasn't a prisoner a long time, but it was that exposure that caused him to realize just how poorly prisoners were being treated. He'd had no idea up to that time, but he wanted to do something about that. And so in his lifetime, he stood before parliaments and presidents of many, many countries and passionately appealed to the lawmakers to establish reform for prisoners. He had tremendous and great compassion because he had seen it firsthand. But why was he on that ship headed for Portugal? 
Why was he in that moment at that time on that ship? He was headed to Portugal because he had heard news that a great earthquake, in fact, one of the greatest earthquakes ever known to man, had just taken place in Portugal. And he said to himself, I must go and try and help as many people as I possibly can. And so he was on his way to Portugal. When did the news about the earthquake in Portugal come to John Howard? What was the events in his life at that time? He was actually mourning the death of his wife. She had just passed away. He was just days from that event. And word comes to him about an earthquake. But you see, before John Howard was experiencing that tragedy, before John Howard had gotten married, while he was just 24 years old, he wrote this in his journal. He said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Here on this sacred day in the dust before the eternal God, I cast my guilty and polluted soul on the sovereign mercy of the Redeemer. O compassionate and divine Lord, save me from the dreadful guilt and power of sin and accept my solemn, free, and unreserved surrender. Look upon me, a repenting and returning prodigal. Thus, O Lord God, am I humbly bold to covenant with thee, ratify and confirm it, and make me the everlasting monument of thy mercy. You see, at a young age, he had made a declaration and a surrender to God through Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, I surrender to you. Make me a monument of your mercy, O God. Then he falls in love and gets married. And just a few years later, his wife dies. While he's mourning her death, he hears about other people suffering. And he says, I must go to them if I can possibly help them. And in route, he is captured and made a prisoner and then released. And then he spends his life trying to help other people who have no voice of their own. You see, many times we think that God's calling in our lives is about safety and his calling in our life is so clean and clear and wonderful and it's, oh, the wonderful gushy feelings. Yay, God called me to do something. And yet many times God leads us in a path that is not of our choosing. We certainly wouldn't have thought of that. But through the course of life and even in the most uncomfortable of situations, even when we are mourning sometimes, God begins to do something in us that surprises us. John Howard had come from a very affluent family. His mother died when he was five. His father left him a fortune, but he had no desire for that type of lifestyle. He wanted to help people because he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. If you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 86. We're going to camp out in this psalm for just a moment and look at what David understood about having safety through trust. I think if we look at the times in which we're living in right now, we have a group of people who have been taught safety, 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 and yet very few are feeling safe in this moment. And yet safe, safety comes through trust. Safety comes through trust. And David understood this, and we're going to look at this entire psalm broken up into three different categories, the first being that of petition. Psalm 86, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. 
guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. See, life gives us opportunities to really come face to face with the understanding that we need God and we must petition him for the help that we need. Life in general causes difficulties and causes hardships and, and sometimes other people do the same thing. They, their decisions affect us sometimes wonderfully and yet sometimes adversely. And then of course we make our own mistakes, don't we? Or am I the only one in the room who does that? Yeah, we make our own mistakes, we do our own stuff, we make our own dumb decisions and we get into trouble and we cry out to God, God help me. Life is being weird. People are being weird. I'm being weird. God, help me. And he does. We call out to him because he is a God who is faithful and true. When we call out to God, we are first acknowledging that he is. And also that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, God is not a God who's weak. He's not a God who's absent. He's a God who's powerful. Didn't you love the testimony last week of the power of God working in two families and a group of believers that brought a miraculous healing to a, to a family? What, wasn't that awesome? God is what we call omnipotent. That means he has all power. There's nothing that he will not do. He makes promises and then he has the power to back it up. And he makes promises of healing and he heals people. He makes promises of deliverance and he delivers people. He makes promises to you and for you and he's not afraid to fulfill the promises he's made to you. And what we have to do is simply know those promises, receive those promises by faith and then act on them and see how God works his plan in our lives and through our lives to bring that to fruition. We have assurance in knowing that God is all powerful. He says to Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, we call him the weeping prophet. Many people refer to him as that. Jeremiah had, had strong words from God and strong words to the people of God. And in chapter 32 and verse number seven, he makes a statement and then he asks a rhetorical question. The statement is, behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? He makes that statement. I am the God of all flesh. Have you ever been in the position where you think, you know, I'm not sure God really knows where I'm at. Or am I the only? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we feel, we feel that God is like busy with other things. And he just doesn't see my suffering. He doesn't see what's happening with me. And yet nothing could be further from the truth. He sees you every day, every moment, every second. He knows exactly where you are, who you are, what's going on in your life. And he is omnipotent. He has all power to move heaven, earth, and hell to fulfill his promises in your life. Can somebody say that's good news? Right? Because God says, I have all power. I can do this. Don't worry about it. God is unexhaustible, unexhaustible power, unalterable strength, resources that never fail, and purposes that are never altered. 
I believe it was God's omnipotence that caused Martin Luther in the year 1528 to write the famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress. Not weak, mighty, strong. What are you dealing with today? What is going on in your life today where you say, man, if God would just, if God would, if God would, and God is saying, I will, I will. And I have all the power to do whatever you need. If it's cancer, I have the power to heal cancer. If it's bankruptcy, I have the power to turn that around. If it's a, a, a marriage that's on the threads of cutting loose, I have the power to turn that around. You have a child that's wayward. I have the power to reach out like the prodigal and bring them to their senses while they're a prodigal. He said, I have the power to do that. Can we receive that today? God has all power and he is my God and my Lord. David moves into another aspect in the remaining uh, verses and that is that of praise. Let's read verses eight through 12. Verses eight through 12 says, among the gods, there's none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness and give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. In our lives, praise is a mixture of our exposure and our experience with God's love. In our present need, we begin to praise God and worship him. We praise him because he has presence in our lives. We praise him because he has power over our circumstances. And we praise him because he has provision to meet every need that we ever have had, do have, or ever will have. And that's why we praise him. But it's not a mechanical it is a praise that is through relationship. It's not just information. It's praise because God is real in our lives. It's like when you, uh, a five-year-old has a bad dream. Your child has a bad dream. Five years old. Are there, there's no five-year-olds in here, right? Okay. Didn't, didn't want to say something I'm going to regret later. Let's say your five-year-old has a bad dream. There's a monster in the closet. You walk into the room. Honey, what's wrong? There's a monster in the closet. Do you launch into a tirade that there are no such thing as monsters in the closet? Now listen, honey, I just want you to know it's scientifically impossible for that to happen. I just want to make this clear, okay? Now let's, let's deal with facts here, right? That's not what you do. What do you do as a parent when your child is distraught, crying, fearful? You go and hug them and you, and you hold them and you assure them of what? You. The conversation in that moment is not about the closet. The conversation is about you as the mother, the father. I'm here. Nothing to worry about. I'm here. It's okay. I'm here. You can calm down. It's okay. You can have peace. I'm here. And that's what God does to us. He doesn't just come and lecture us. Listen, I want to tell you the facts. He comes along and says, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. 
We'll deal with the facts later, but right now I'm here. And we praise him out of that experience. When has that happened in your life? When God just simply just lets you know, I'm here, I'm here with you. He gives you that word, that rhema word. In that moment of need, in that, in that situation of need, he comes along and he says, I'm here. Short testimony, I've, I've shared this before, just the, the night that I became a Christian, I was born again, I was about 12 years old. I'd been pretty much raised in church and taken to church as a very soul-winning church. They talked about um, revelations a lot and heaven and hell and you better get right, saved was the word, get saved, get saved. And my understanding was that, you know, this is how you get saved. You say this prayer. So I said the prayer. I didn't feel anything. Didn't, 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 it was no change in my life. There was nothing there. So I said the prayer again. And we could spend the next three weeks with me just saying that same thing. And I said the prayer again. And I said the prayer again. And I said the prayer again. I don't know how many times I had prayed the prayer. Jesus, forgive me my sin, come into my life, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. No feeling, no sense, no, no witness of the Holy Spirit. And then one night, I'm praying this. I'm, tears are coming down in my eyes because I don't want to go to hell. I've heard about it. And I didn't want to go there. So I'm praying and praying, and God gives me that rhema word. God speaks to me in that hour on a Monday night in August. And he said, why are you asking me into your heart? And my answer was quick. I don't want to go to hell. I thought that would, I thought that's a pretty good answer. He said, that's not why you should ask me into your heart. He said, do you love me? And that's the one I had to think about. Do you love me? And I thought. And as I thought about God paying the ultimate price for the sin of the world by sending Christ to the cross, dying on the cross for me, for the sin of the world. How, how, how can you not love that God? How can you not love a God who said, I, I've come to be one of you. I've, I've come to share with, with your suffering. I have, I have come to, to bear my image before you and pay the ultimate price. And that's when I said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, that's why you asked me into your heart. And it was that night I was born again. Said the same prayer. Except I added, Lord, because I love you. Will you please come into my heart? Forgive me of my sin. And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit bore witness, testified, made a connection with my spirit that I was a child of God. See, it's in that moment when God comes along and says, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm here. Let's move forward. Let's get this thing moving forward. God does not simply give information. He walks with us in our difficulties and he assures us of his love and we learn to trust. We learn to trust him. But our praise can be filled with self-interest when our faith is only for a deliverance. I'm having this trouble, Lord, and I was told that if I, if I praise you, I'll praise my way out of it. So, Lord, I need deliverance, and so I'm going to praise you. And it becomes very self-interest. Faith that is just about deliverance is a very weak and shallow faith. Faith in God, praising God by faith, is 
what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when they were confronted with the fiery furnace. They said, King, let it be known that God is going to rescue from this, us from this, but even if he doesn't, let it be known we're not going to do what you want us to do because our God is big enough. We're not just praising him so he'll deliver us. We're praising him because he's God and he's worthy. I think Joseph got this. Joseph in the Old Testament, remember? Remember the guy who's 17 years old and God gives him dreams about authority and dreams about influence and dreams about being a great leader. And the next thing he knows, he is a slave and then a prisoner. 13 years go by. But Joseph has this understanding. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why I'm here except that God is working his plan. I don't understand his plan, but God's working his plan. And there are times in our lives when we just stand up and say, God, I am going to praise you even though I don't know what you're doing, even though I don't understand what you are doing. I am going to praise you even if you don't deliver me, even if you don't do this, even if you don't do that. I'm going to praise you because you're worthy of all praise. And that's what makes the difference in our lives. Because then our praise and our faith is not self-serving. It is for a greater purpose. Just like John Howard is mourning the death of his wife, and yet he gets on a ship to go help other people, becomes a prisoner. And then look what happens. Even in America, his work is evidenced. Because he recognized Faith goes beyond my momentary situation. The last part of the psalm that we're going to read right now is talking about prevail. Prevail. We petition, we praise, and thank God we prevail. Amen? Let's read it, verse 13 through 17. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes attack me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. See, David talks about prevailing through God, not because all of his enemies are now dead. He's saying there are people trying to mess me up. There's people, I get it, that's okay, but you're still God and you're God in my life and so therefore I'm gonna prevail over all of that. I'm gonna prevail because you are God. I'm gonna prevail because you have chosen me and I have chosen you. You are in me and I am in you. That's the testimony that Christians have, Christ in us, and we are in Christ. Therefore, we prevail no matter what this world throws at us. No matter what happens in nature, we prevail. No matter what happens with a government, we prevail. I don't know what's going to happen in November, but I'm going to prevail. And we are going to prevail. My faith is not in Washington, D.C. Bless the Lord. And I would dare say and be so bold as to say that it is important who our president is, but if your faith is in Washington, D.C., you need help. <laughs> okay? Our faith is in God. 
That's why I hope Crossings is not a Republican church, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. It, we're Jesus church. That's what we do. We're about Jesus, right? Because that's where our faith is. That's where our faith is. Amen. That's good preaching. Psalm 34, 19 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from how many? All. Yes. Hallelujah. All of them. All of them. We can have many troubles. There's going to be difficulties. Be prepared. But know who has the final word, and that is God. He's able to deliver us from them all. Romans 8, 35 and 37, that Paul is just writing this tremendous letter to the Roman church. And he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives a list. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? He says, no. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. He's not saying that we're not going to have these difficulties. He's saying these difficulties are not going to separate us from the love of God. It is impossible for that to happen. And so we find that, that the bottom line to all of this is that the sense of security is the result of trusting greatly. The sense of security, of safety, is not in any other way than to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It doesn't say don't use your understanding. It says don't lean on your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't use your understanding as a crutch. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. God, what do you have to say about this thing? What do you have to say about what's going on? What do you have to say about my situation? God, that's where my trust is. And therefore, Lord, I prevail. I prevail. Those who walk by faith prevail. Three times the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And that makes all the difference in the world. My question to you today is, are you prevailing the way God wants you to prevail? I, I, I can't answer that question for you, but I can, I can say this. We're not dreaming big enough because we have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that he's working within us. What I'm saying is dream bigger. Ask God, God, am I living below your standard? No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about perfection or how good you are. I'm talking about, God, am, am I able to accomplish with influence and authority all that you've called me to accomplish? Or is there room for growth in this? God, I want to prevail. In the middle of my troubles, I'm going to prevail. Even because of my trouble, you're going to work in them and I'm going to prevail to glorify Jesus Christ. That's the prevail that we boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. John Howard was, was memorialized in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Why? Because early in his life at 24 years old, he said, God, receive my full surrender to you. He fell in love, but his wife died. While he's mourning, he hears about other people that need help, and he goes and helps. On the way, he's taken over as a prisoner, but then he spent the rest of his life 
proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ specifically among parliaments and presidents. Why? Because he realized there is a segment of society that we're not treating very well. He prevailed because of his difficulty, and you are going to also. Stop looking back at your life and going, oh, I can't believe that happened, and I can't believe that happened. God is saying, I can believe it. It happened. Let's use it. Let's, let's propel forward even because of the difficulties. You know, that's when we rest and say, you know, God, you're the one that can do that. You are the mighty one who takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I would say this morning that every person in here is called to the purpose of God. But are you walking in right relationship with him? Are you walking step and step with Christ or are you off doing your own thing? As long as you're off doing your own thing and you're not walking with Christ, you will not have that assurance of God's presence in your life. You will not have that assurance of being able to prevail because you're out of step with him. Come to Christ. Come to Christ and say, Lord, I want to walk in step with you just as John Howard did just as the Apostle Paul did and the Apostle Peter and Stephen, John Wesley and Martin Luther and Wycliffe. And just like maybe your parents and your grandparents, walk in step with Christ. If you're out of step with him, come on, let's come back into step with him today, right now. And I assure you, he's hearing your petition he will accept your praise and you will prevail because now walking in step with God, there's nothing that is impossible with God.